Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts, Lord, may they be found acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Today I would like to share with you a part of my personal testimony. It may surprise some of you to find out that being a pastor was not my first career choice, nor was it my second career choice or my third career choice. I think I'll get it right maybe here this last time around. That's a joke. You can laugh. It's okay. <laughs> Today is the last day of 2017, and I feel that it's, it's a, a good time to share part of my story with you. You see, in my life, I've, I've had to make some hard choices, hard choices like all of you here today have had to make in your life. And I thought it fitting to conclude this series, Light Shines in the Darkness, with some practical tools on how to make the hard choices in life. What better way to demonstrate those tools than by bearing my heart and my life before you all today? With the goal being to broaden our ability to take Christ's light into the new year ahead of us. So the part of my story that I want to share with you, it begins in 2010 when I graduated from Central with my Bachelor's of Science in Education. <clears throat> I was certified and I was ready to embark on this new journey as an educator I continued to prime my network of, of teacher friends, and I had, I had started looking for teaching jobs the summer before without any success. You see, schools were consolidating. Um, teachers were offered early retirement buyouts with limited new hires, and I found myself working as a long-term sub in Portland with no districts hiring. And when I called principal friends of mine, they all said the same thing, check back in August. I couldn't wait for the possibility of a job in August. I had a young family to provide for, so I started to look outside of Michigan. Then in March of 2011, I was offered a contract in a town I had never been to, in a state I had never intentionally visited, USD 480, Liberal, Kansas. Aaron and I took a trip to Kansas to visit, and, and I accepted the contract, but we had months to wait before the school, se before the school started. Over the few months that followed, I began to question the decision. Why move to Kansas? It's crazy to think about it. It's crazy. It's a three-day drive from here to the southwest corner of Liberal, where Liberal, Kansas is. Three days. We didn't know anyone there. We had a new son. We had no network, no support system, no family. Why Kansas? Why couldn't God open up an opportunity in Michigan, our home where our family was? Why Kansas? Well, the days counted down and moving day quickly approached, and, and I was very, very, very unsettled with the decision that we had made. It was not just a new job for me. It would mean a new life for my wife and our young son, it would mean change in a world of unknowns, and fear and anxiety of the transition pushed me to my breaking point until finally I broke down and I prayed. This is before Pastor Tim was even a thought in my mind. I remember it was a Tuesday evening. Aaron and Jake were asleep. And I was wandering around the basement of my parents' house where we lived, a temporary turned two-year living arrangement. 
I remember kneeling down on the floor next to an old couch on the thinning carpet in the basement. And I remember praying to God. At this point in my life, I had a strong faith, but I didn't have a strong prayer life. As I knelt on that old thin carpet, I remember crying, and just so you know, I may cry later in the service again. I remember crying. I remember crying out to God, God, show me why. Give me a reason. Why am I supposed to go to Kansas? It doesn't make sense to me. There had to be a reason why. Why was only this door open for me and no other door? I vividly remember asking God, God, if I'm supposed to go to Kansas, please just show me why. I said amen, and I went to bed. How do you know what to do? How do you make the hard choice? How do you, the working professional, decide whether or not you're going to take that horizontal positional change? How do you decide if you're going to uproot your family to take that new branch position that's opening up in a nearby city? If you're single, do you move far away from family or do you stay connected? Do you focus on your career or do you focus on relationships? As a single parent, do you take that extra job so that your kids can do the activities they want to, knowing full well that the job will mean you'll never get to see them in those activities and they may grow to resent you for it? As a child of an aging parent, when do you decide that you're unable to provide the care that they need and you seek more help? As a teenager, how do you decide when enough is enough? How do you decide which path your life should take? How do you make a choice that could affect the rest of your life? How do you respond when you feel God leading you down an unknown path in a new direction, full of possible danger, full of possible failure, full of, full of unknowns? How do you make the big move? How do you know which way to go? Lucky for us today, humankind has struggled with discerning God's will in their life for a long time. And there are numerous stories throughout Scripture that illustrate how we are called to respond when God encourages us to move in a, do, in a new direction. So today I want to take you through a part of the Christmas story that is often overlooked because of the horror of the story. But it illustrates the reality that we face in life when we attempt to do new things that God is leading us to do. So today we're going to be in the Gospel of Matthew and we're going to look at Jesus' earthly parents, Mary and Joseph, and see how they responded to God's leading in their life. We'll be in chapter 2 of Matthew if you want to follow along. It will also be on the screens this morning. So let me set the stage for you for just a moment. Sometime after Jesus was born, roughly within two years of his birth, uh, Mary and Joseph and Jesus are visited by the, the wise men, the magi. They come and they have gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh, and we, we know that part of the story. But it's at this point where many stop reading the gospel account in Matthew, because what happens next is troubling. It's hard to understand, and it's hard to deal with. But go with me on this journey today because it holds a deep truth for our lives as we try to bring clarity to this tension that we have when we're faced with making tough decisions, the hard choices in life. And I'm going to give you the answer right front. It's right up front. It's simple. 
It's simple. When God calls, you move. When God calls, you move. So the nativity story continues like this. After the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child and Mary, his mother, and they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken through the prophet, I called my son out of Egypt. Mary, Joseph, and the young toddler, Jesus, are at an emotional high in life. They had just experienced an amazing event. Scholars from eastern lands had just come and visited them. Not only visited, but they brought amazing gifts. Take note of notice of the order of events. Everything was going well. Wise men came, there were gifts, there was no stress because we all know when you have a toddler, there's no stress. God spoke to Joseph. Run away now. Your child is not safe. And Joseph moved. Think of the series of events from Joseph and Mary's perspective. Everything should be going great. Mary had the baby amidst all of the challenges of the journey of having a child in a barn. Wise men came and gave them gifts and honored Jesus. Life was turning out great. But then Joseph had a dream. Can you imagine the conversation between Mary and Joseph happening today? If it were me, it would have to happen in the car. That way my wife couldn't escape it. Or maybe in the kitchen because the best conversations start in the kitchen. Honey, this may sound a little crazy, um, but I had a dream and I'm pretty sure God wants us to move to a foreign country with our new baby and stay there until the ruler of our current country dies. And, oh, and by the way, I didn't mention this, the king is going to try to kill all the children, so we need to go now. How would that conversation go over in your household? But what did Mary and Joseph do? They moved. When God called, they moved. Let's be honest. If your spouse, your significant other, your parent, your child, or loved one came to you with this story, how would you handle it? Moving to Egypt would mean moving to a foreign land. It would mean being a refugee. It would mean having to work in a culture that's not like your culture. It would mean the gifts that you had just received would most likely have to be sold or used to provide for your family for the trip and to set up your new home. It meant living a life on the move because the angel said, stay there until I tell you to return. It means a world of unknowns and so many what-ifs. Still, when God called Mary and Joseph, They moved. So let's continue and see what happens next. Herod was furious. Herod was furious, it says, when he realized the wise men had outwitted him. He sent soldiers to kill all the boys in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and under, based on the wise men's report of the star's first appearance. Herod's brutal action fulfilled what God had spoken through the prophet Jeremiah. A cry was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning. Rachel weeps for her children, refusing to be comforted, for they are dead. 
What a horrible part of the story. Do you see why we don't read this in church? We should. It's verses like this that I wish I could take out of the Bible. Because there's nothing in this that I like. I don't like that it happened. I don't like that it still happens. I don't like the idea that God allowed it to happen in the first place. I don't like it. But just because I don't like it doesn't mean that it doesn't have something to say to us still today. It doesn't mean that God doesn't still speak through it. You see, the threat was real. If Mary and Joseph didn't move, didn't listen to God, didn't step out in faith and put their faith into action and go on a journey that no one in their right mind would ever want to go on in the first place, Jesus' story could have ended right there. But it serves no purpose to play the what-if game. But there is a reason that this is part of the story. Great things happen when God calls us and we move. But things also happen when God calls us and we don't move. Hindsight's 2020. From where we sit today, we see clearly the two options, the two choices. Joseph and Mary could stay in Bethlehem and watch their child killed, or they could go to Egypt and live as refugees. We would say, of course, there's only one option. Of course they would be refugees. Of course they would choose to move. But Mary and Joseph didn't know if it would actually happen or not. All they knew was that God was calling them to pick up and go to Egypt and that there was a threat to Jesus' life. Joseph and Mary's faith demonstrate to us that when God calls, you move. But once is an occurrence, twice is a coincidence, and three times is a pattern. So let's see if Joseph and Mary continue to a pattern of moving when God calls them. The story goes on. When Herod died... An angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. Get up, the angel said. Take the child and his mother back to the land of Israel because those who are trying to kill the child are dead. So Joseph got up and returned to the land of Israel with Jesus and his mother. Mary, Joseph, and Jesus are living in Egypt as refugees. And once again, Joseph has a dream. Mary, I love you. But I had a dream again, and I think we're supposed to move back. Can you imagine that conversation in your house? I can in mine, and I think it would go something like this. You mean to tell me that you moved us all the way out here to Egypt only to turn around and tell me that we have to move back after we got settled into our new home? But that's not how the conversation went. No, instead, Joseph and Mary decide to move because when God calls, you move, and that's twice. But what we haven't seen written into the story yet is the fear that must have been present, the fear that Mary and Joseph had to have experienced in making those tough choices, in making those decisions. Now, fear surfaces and pushes back on Joseph's faith, just as fear pushes back on our faith but when he, Joseph, learned that the new ruler of Judah was Herod's son, Archelaus, he was afraid to go there. Then, after being warned in a dream, he left for the region of Galilee. So the family went and lived in the town of Nazareth. This fulfilled what the prophets had said, he will be called a Nazarene. 
Mary, Joseph, and Jesus get partway back before fear kicks in. Then God has to redirect them again and put them back on track, moving them to Nazareth. You see, fear has the power to cripple our journey. But God encouraged Joseph, and they moved again. We have ten verses here. In ten verses, Joseph has three dreams, three encounters with God that caused Joseph and Mary and Jesus to travel from Bethlehem to Egypt, and then from Egypt partway back to Nazareth, and from partway back to Nazareth all the way back to Nazareth. Three times Joseph was called in a new direction, and three times Joseph, Mary, and Jesus moved. When God calls, you move. So what? You may ask. So what? How does this play out in our lives? Because it's, it's one thing to say when God calls, you move, but how does this work in our lives? The fact is, Joseph had something that I have never had in my life. And maybe this is not a shared experience, but for me, I have never had a dream from God. I have never had a dream from God that gave me clear directions on what I was supposed to do. I've never had an angel come to me and say, Tim, move now and move this way. I'm not saying that God doesn't do this anymore. I'm saying that I simply have not experienced it. And if I did receive a clear-cut message from God from an angel in a dream, I missed it. I missed it. But I can tell you that, there, that in the big decisions in my life, in the moments I wrestled with making that hard choice, that life-altering decision, should I, should I stay or, or should I go? Should I move or should I endure? Should I quit or should I stand my ground? Should I fight or should I flee? In those moments, there are three primary ways that I have experienced God's leading and God's direction in my life. And these three experiences have validated, have validated my discernment process. These three simple things have changed my life and taken me to places I never would have imagined I would ever go. And the first two are simple. And if you've, you've heard me speak before, you know that I've said this over and over again. The first one is, is opening myself to Scripture. Reading and experiencing God's word daily has allowed the Holy Spirit to guide and work in my life in amazing ways. Now, I'm not trying to hit you on the head with my Bible. What I am trying to do is communicate with you that as I have regularly encountered God in his word, God has led and directed my actions and guided me in life. But encountering God in scripture is a learned skill. That means it's something we learn and we grow in. It takes practice. It takes work to grow. And that's why for the next year we're going to have the Divine Mentor and Life Journals available in Pages and Prayers as tools to use as we learn how to grow in experiencing God and His Word. The second experience is equally as obvious as the first, and it's prayer. Talking to God, listening to God, in prayer allows us to be guided and directed. But the third, the third experience that I have had that has validated my discernment process over and over again has been experiencing God's voice through other people. Through other people. This is the one that always catches me off guard. This is the one I don't expect. 
But when I see it or I hear it, it blows my mind. Sometimes God speaks to us through other people, and sometimes it's not even people we know. Now, I'm I'm not talking about listening to your favorite podcast preacher. I'm talking about the people around you in your everyday life and the experiences that you have every day. Many times I found myself wrestling with this big decision that I have to make, this big decision, and I've read my Bible, and I've prayed about it, but I still have no clarity on what I'm supposed to do next. But then out of nowhere, someone would share a story, or they'd ask for advice, or I would witness them doing something, and I knew what I had to do. Sometimes God speaks to us through others. By encountering God through scripture and prayer and people, we can find new confidence in our decision-making process. We can hear God calling us to move to unknown places and spaces and be confident and find peace in the decision-making process. The places God calls us to go, though, sometimes are strange in foreign lands. Joseph had to move to Egypt before he could make it to Nazareth. But there's a reason why we move. And you may not see the reason in the moment because hindsight's 2020. But for now, I want to finish my story. I want to take you back to the floor of my parents' basement as I prayed to God to show me why I needed to go to Kansas. You see, I didn't think much of that prayer in the moment, and it wasn't until later that week. Two days later, on Thursday evening, we were having dinner at my in-law's house, and I was sitting in my father-in-law's recliner in front of the TV, which is the best seat in the house. I remember being confused as I looked at my cell phone at the unknown number that was calling me. You know when you get a call and, and all you get is the city and state? Who do I know in liberal Kansas that would be calling me? I only know the principal that gave me the job. I don't know anyone else, and her number is saved. Now, normally, I don't don't answer the phone for someone that I don't know if I've not saved their number. But curiosity won over, and and I answered the call. Hi, Tim. I don't know if you remember me, but I'm Pastor Dave from First United Methodist Church in liberal Kansas. We met a few months ago while you were in town, and you told me you were moving here to teach. I know you don't know me, but I have been praying for you for a while. You see, our youth director is moving this summer, and when our staff parish relations committee asked if I knew anyone who might consider as a replacement, God kept bringing me back to you. I know know this may sound crazy, but I was hoping you might pray about taking this part-time position here at first. That call changed my life and sent me down a path I never envisioned myself going down. The message was crystal clear. God had a plan. God has a plan. Sometimes God speaks to us through Scripture Sometimes God speaks to us through prayer, and sometimes God speaks to us through other people. 
However God speaks to you, when God calls, you move. Will you pray with me? Holy God who loves us enough to redirect us, today we ask that you open our hearts to your direction. Give us the clarity we need to move when you call us. Give us a faith like Mary and Joseph when it comes to the hard decisions in our life. Let us never forget that you are with us in every path and in every trial of our life. It's in Jesus' name that we pray and everyone said.